Welcome to the Impact Multiplier CEO Podcast. If you're a chief executive, or if you think like one, and you want to create exponentially greater impact, then this show is for you. My name is Richard Metcalf, founder of X-Quadrant. I coach some of the most successful and impressive CEOs and executive teams on the planet and help them achieve extraordinary results. And no matter how successful you've been in the past, there's always a whole new level of impact available to you. So if you're ready to play a bigger game than ever before, I invite you to join us and become an Impact Multiplier CEO. Today, I speak with Peter Sweetbaum. Uh, Peter is the Chief Executive of Content and Cloud, which is one of the UK's leading technology services solutions and support providers. Peter started off life as a solicitor, and having had a few uh, different roles at the start of his career, he then changed sector quite dramatically, moved into tech, founded his own company, and then went on an acquisition spree to create a large uh, integrated provider of technology services. His journey is really interesting. We get into the details of how he brought together very different companies uh, and created something rather special out of them. So I hope you enjoy this conversation and distill some of Peter's very specific success formulae in this episode. Hi, Peter. It's great to see you today. Hi, Richard. How are you? I'm, uh, I'm very good. I'm very good. Well, it's really a pleasure to have you here. I know that you've spent the last few years turning, uh, turning, uh, merging a whole bunch of kind of IT services companies into content and cloud. And it sounds that you're just at the end of a first phase um, of, a, of a master plan. Uh, and there's probably a whole new phase uh, to come. So what I'd love to do today is dive in and find out uh, how that's been going and what success you've found and, and what's been driving that success. Like what lessons can we learn from that? And then look a bit about the future. So before we, um, before we dive into all the details, how about giving us just a quick intro, right? Um, who is, um, you, know, you know, who is the man behind the mask, right? <laughs> who is, um, yeah, I did a little bit of research online. I found that you harbored, um, you know, secret fantasies of being a lead guitarist in a rock band and you're a latecomer to Breaking Bad. So that's what I've been able to find out. But uh, tell us a bit more about who you are and what <laughs> makes you tick and how you got into the CEO role. That's, uh, that's, that's good research, uh, all true, <laughs> and, and sadly still very much a fancy uh, about the, the rock band. Um, if I displayed my musical talent, you'd understand why. Um, so look, I, I'm Peter Sugum, CEO of Content and Cloud, um, and uh, I, I guess my background is I was a lawyer uh, and an investment banker. Uh, after being a lawyer for five, six years and moved into investment banking for another five or six years uh, and then made a lateral move into the real world in, in tech, uh, which was exciting um, and great not to advise, but to do. Um, and after a, a number of, of different um, roles, I, I found myself uh, becoming the CEO of a company called IT Lab. Uh, which is uh, what content and cloud was actually called until about 18 months ago when we rebranded the company. Right. And in that journey, I believe you've actually merged a number of companies together. Is that right? You kind of grew by expansion and acquisition. Yeah, we, we grew. Uh, we've, we've done five acquisitions since uh, our current investor, a private equity investor called ECI, backed us in June 2016. 
Uh, I joined the company in July 2014, and we did two acquisitions even before the the, the private equity fund joined. But mm. these acquisitions were about building a, a vision and a strategy and building an outcome. They weren't acquisitions for the sake of acquisitions. It wasn't just right. about being a deal and growth. Yeah. It, they, they were all part of a, a total, total vision that I uh, wanted to bring to the organization. Right. So you had the vision and then you figured out what capabilities were missing and what scale areas and market segments, whatever it else. And you brought, you started to be quite strategic, I guess, in bringing that together. Yeah. I, look, I mean, there's, there's always an element of opportunism in, yep. in, uh, in building businesses like this and doing a, a typical buy and build. Um, but yeah, we had a vision of what we wanted to become, which was to become uh, a significant uh, partner in the Microsoft ecosystem within the UK, be very consultative and digital transformation oriented and led. Um, and that kind of that influence came from my, my personal background um, when I, I worked for the UK government. But I understood the power of strategic engagement, digital transformation. And, and I started with a business which wasn't very strategic. It was very tactical. It was very right. focused on um, day-to-day service delivery how do you take a business like that and then turn it into what is a strategically impactful organization? Um, it was about building capability. It was about building uh, an overall um, ethos, almost intellect and capital, um, uh, you know, uh, capital mm-hmm. capability within the business to uh, be able to deliver a different type of service and different level of service to um, more sophisticated organizations. Mm. So, then, yeah. So, it sounds you know, fascinating, right? You had this very tactical business and you really said, okay, let's create a strategic framework to grow it. But let's just rewind time a little bit. How did you even get to be CEO, right? So uh, not so much the story of how, though there's probably a couple of key moments that might be worth sharing, but like what was the, you know, what was the uh, secret source, the success factors, right, that, that moved you, you know, through your career to get into this, CEO role of this, you know, high growth uh, firm from, from becoming from being a lawyer from and being a lawyer, yeah, exactly. Banker in, into well, um, having moved into industry, I had a number of roles within uh, larger corporate environments, uh, and then nine eleven happened, and interestingly, I found myself, um, you know, out of a role. I, I was actually with Enron for six months. Uh, well known story of Enron. Yeah. I, I think you're the second interviewee on this uh, on the podcast actually who's had a, a stint at Enron Enron um, broadband. So uh, really, really, so the, yeah, I don't know. If, it must be the alumni club. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to. I'd love to know who the other person is. We can chat about that um, some other time. But uh, that'd be great. It was probably an ex colleague of mine. But I, I think- even got. I just say I even got a. I remember being headhunted at the time as well for for, for um, about that time, 2001. I think it was that kind of time right and i remember i remember for getting Enron that services yeah in london uh yeah yeah <laughs> we could have been colleagues could have, there you go yes yeah, so, well but look i mean you know that's as a life experience right it, it mm. created a, a dynamic in a situation through circumstance where despite having been you know frankly an MA lawyer and investment banker i found myself thinking what do i do now uh yeah. Enron had frankly collapsed and uh, it was really just a moment of reinvention where uh, somebody had actually connected to my PC from Houston to fix it. It was the first time I had seen um, remote access, you know, mm-hmm. going on PC type technology. Uh, still very, very new then. 
and it was really a function of, of you know cycling around I think I was at the time um, thinking what's next and saw that as a kernel of an opportunity to get into a business or create a business or you know understand more about the potential for a business of using that remote access technology to provide services to companies. Yeah so so if we go back to those kind of success factors it's this it sounds like it's there was these at least some key moments where you actually had the chance to step back and and reinvent yourself a little bit right and say yeah, yeah. rather than continue on the on the trajectory so many of us do we just keep going on what we started on yeah. uh, you almost by class got forced to but it actually helped exactly, exactly. Take you onto a new path. yeah exactly uh, and it was that opportunity to almost take a clean sheet of paper to my own career my own life my own vision mm. and i realized you know more than anything else that i continuously worked for others and i was beholden to others and i wanted to actually be in a position where i could have more control of my own destiny at that mm. point and the idea of doing something entrepreneurial at that point in time, where you've kind of got the nothing to lose dynamic. Mm. Um, so you know, think big, think creatively, uh, what's out there and what was relevant at the time. Um, and, and where do I think I could create some, you know, some real value and, and, and do something interesting and fun. And it was about the time where broadband was pro- proliferating. Mm-hmm. Um, so the combination of the broadband, the technology, um, the obviously you know, driving force of, of technology within companies, uh, it just created that mix of an opportunity to create something like this. And so I started it from the ground up <laughs> um, and uh, literally uh, in, in, with another guy, um, there were two of us and then we added a third. Uh, added a telesales guy and built it from there. And, I, and we right. built that company. Uh, into something called WaveX, um, and I, I was CEO of WaveX until 2011, um, yeah. and that was really interesting. And it was, you know, took something from nothing to 140 people. Um, yeah. At that point, it was 12 million revenue, uh, roughly, and you know, we were profitable, making a million two of EBITDA, whatever it was, mm-hmm. and you know, it was a real business. And yeah. this was in a completely different, you know, um, yeah. scale than anything I'd done. Um, so. so yeah so you kind of yeah so that entrepreneurial thing then gave you those that kind of the um stripes right to then be able to then later on in the career come yeah. in as a ceo of a business and build it and continue to have that that mix of the executive management piece and the entrepreneurial piece which is i guess what i'm hearing in yeah what you're currently yeah. doing yeah yeah that's that's great so what about um so yeah so if i was to ask somebody you know on your team say you know like what what's peter's gift you know like what's what does he what's the unique thing that he brings into the mix what would that be uh, i think they would say probably a, a capacity to unify the organization around a vision mm-hmm. um and to support and enable uh the organization to execute on that vision, um, I, I, I've often found myself in a situation where with the team, there's surprise, um, some element of, of, of doubt as to the fact that we can achieve the goals that we were setting for ourselves. And uh, 
you know, I sat in one meeting when one woman looked at me not long after we acquired the business and I said, we're going to be a 10 million EBITDA business um, in three years. And she looked at me and she said, that's just insane. And uh, had no sense of belief. And about 18 months ago, two years ago, she said, we did it. And I said, we did it. And uh, it's, it's, that's the great thing is being able to set a, set a vision and a destination and help people understand how we're going to get there and give mm. them the support and, and put in all the functional capabilities to enable them to achieve that and us to achieve it collectively. Hello, it's Richard here with a quick interlude. These conversations are all about upgrading how you think about creating impact. So here's a resource to help you do just that whilst staying fast and focused. The CEO's checklist for challenging times is a quick way to enhance your thinking and detect blind spots, even when things are moving incredibly fast and you're not sure what's going to happen next. You can get this powerful checklist of 17 world-class strategies by heading to xquadrant.com forward slash go forward slash challenging times checklist with a hyphen between each of those three last words. Now, back to the conversation. Well, before we dive into that, because I think there's this, this box we can there mine in that around that idea of turning vision into reality. What's, what would be the dark side, right? So if people were to like, people to bitch about you, you know, <laughs> on your team, right? If they're going to kind of say, you know, he's great at this, but the dark side of some of this is this. Uh, what, that, I, what might that be? I think it's a corollary to the vision. I think it's the degree of endless ambition and uh, drive and that it can sometimes and, and will inevitably, you know, drive the organization, you know, mm. hard, harder than some people might like from time to time. But, uh, you know, we're in the tech industry. And frankly, you know, I have a very firm view that if we don't look demonstrably different in some way every three months, then we're probably going backwards in this industry. Mm. And therefore, there is a sense of constant momentum and propulsion and you know i think some people might find that a bit fatiguing after a while but uh i, th- I think it's it is about that you know constant momentum that is is necessary you know, mm. so. yeah well you're right yeah i think uh in tech i mean things are changing so fast there yeah. is that um okay well let's, let's dive in let's dive into this this point around around vision right so um i'm just thinking where we should go from here i, I thought i'd love to understand um, you know, you just before the show, you were saying that there's been a bit of a, a big plan. And even just now, you were saying that you took this very tactical focus organization, you started to have a vision for it, mm. and you had to make various um, moves, I guess, to take you from where you started in 2017 to yeah. kind of where you are now four years later. So, just a very high level, like what was the you know, what was the different, what was A and B, what was A, or a to Z, you know, what, what was like the uh, beginning and end point of that and some of the key some of the key milestones along the way just to get a sense of this transformation you know how how yeah. how, how big it was i i think ultimately it started with um what i call user need and thinking about the customer mm-hmm. and trying to match the customer need and desire with the technology industry evolution and being able to look forward and see in three to four years what the expectation of the services and requirements of our customers would be and what an optimal business 
would be delivering and what an optimal business model would be at that point in time and being able to define and shape that in, in more tangible terms for the organization. So what are the services? What are the skills? What are the capabilities uh, we're going to need to have then? Uh, how big can we be at that point? And then almost deconstructing that backwards to say, how do we think about the capabilities and skills mm-hmm. and the organizational scaling to get us to that place? But, uh, but in, in terms of the actual, like, from and to state, so when you started in 2017, I think you said, like how many people were in the company and how many are here now? What were the revenues? You know, what was just kind of the scale of the difference between where you started and where you are now? Sure, more tangibly. So when I joined uh, what was then IT11 in 2014, it was about 130 people. Um, in 2017, when the vision was reset, um, and this was was after our private equity investor invested, and uh, you know I presented a, a, th- a three-year plan, the strategy. Uh, we were about 300 people at that point. Okay. Um, uh, about 32 million of revenue, I believe. Uh, today we're about 800 people and just under 100 million of revenue. So, okay. yeah. So, so in four years, you've more than tripled the revenue. You've two x two and a half x the people so yeah it's been a really big change and 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 in those four years you integrated a number of other companies into the business is that right yeah so what we did is um put together we 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 grew organically very successfully so uh the the organization itself uh the core of it grew um and that required um rethinking the the model the target operating model the organization and its structure Mm. we had acquired a a series of businesses and i think unlike the vision that people have or the misconception people have around acquiring businesses and rolling them in fast we actually did very much the opposite every deal that we've done we've taken time real time Mm -hmm. to get to know the organization to get to know the people to work together and then collectively work through how do we get the best out of the combined organization rather than rush into uh, pushing companies together, uh, disrupting the quality because we bought great businesses. We bought Mm. fantastic capability. And this is a different dynamic doing strategic acquisitions than kind of market share type acquisitions. So very much respecting the businesses that were coming into the group and collectively working with them to define the best outcome. Yeah. So yeah, yeah fascinating. I just talked to a leader um, a few weeks ago who was completely fed up leaving his organization because they were pursuing a, a growth by, you know, a very, a very um, ruthless growth by acquisition strategy yeah. where, you know, he said, actually like the sense of vision has, is you know has gone out the window right there's no sense of purpose it's purely financially driven and it's just this kind of machine of we acquire we bash heads together we create a lot of pain in his own words right and you know no, nobody's happy but yeah. we get the cost savings you know at some level and then we move on and do the same again and he says it's just a miserable existence and you know you're looking going well what am i you know <laughs> What am I doing it for? What's the purpose of this? Quite Apart from some financial results somewhere. Exactly, it's quite soul destroying. I mean, the whole idea of doing this through financial engineering to me is is basically a cul-de-sac, right? Because you're not creating anything that has any greater growth potential. You're eking out more cash and more EBITDA, 
but you're not changing the dynamic of the potential of the organization. Yeah. And every deal that we have done, every acquisition that we have done is about bringing in adjacent capability and skills mm. with mutuality of respect and commonality of purpose. If we can create that, then we can really, really align the organizations together. And it's all about revenue synergy, not about cost synergy. Mm. So what can mm. we do collectively? So it's, it's really been very, um, uh, I guess, you know, iterative, intently, um, and intentionally. And uh, it was only about 18 months ago, two years ago, but yeah, about almost, eight, almost two years ago now, we literally took out a white sheet of paper and redrew the entire organization. We had 21 P&Ls in all the different acquisitions. Yeah. Um, and we, we probably ripped up that sheet of paper 40 times. Mm. Until we came to a, a target operating model and a structure that made sense for the future that everybody right. could buy into um, and that really, really made coherent sense and, and aligned to the vision and strategy of the business and the offering and has enabled everybody to buy into and, and, and get behind. So, yeah, yeah, fantastic. Yeah, so you, yeah, so you, you really took the time to, I guess, listen and, 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 yeah, discuss what the future would be rather than it being something that you imposed. Yeah, I, I, I mean, it, it was genuinely a function of reflecting on what does the ultimate business look like. Yeah, today. yeah. And we have all these component parts and capabilities and, ex, and you know, um, and how do we bring that together in a way that um, would be a, a platform, a springboard for future growth? Um, and, that, and that's what we designed. And, and you know, we were consultative. Uh, I've always been very, very open and consultative. I have a very firm human view in a leadership sense that we're all in the same boat, right, as, as a team. We may have different roles. We may have different jobs to do each day, um, but we're all individuals trying to achieve something collectively. And uh, that's been a really, really important part of getting what I call collective alignment around where we want to go. Yeah. And Peter, when you, when you say so it sounds fantastic, right? I mean, I just love that sense of, you know, we want to build something, it's strategic, it's bigger, we want to get everyone on, on, on the same page, we're doing this together. Uh, you know, it's fantastic. What has been, obviously, as you integrated these different companies, and you know, you multiplied the complexity of the business, I guess, there must have been some missteps along the way, things that you look back and go, that was painful, I would have done it a bit differently. I'm just wondering what the learnings might be. You know, like were there some hard lessons that you had to learn as you figured this out? Um, the hard lessons that we've learned are more, I guess, are twofold. One is because of what we've built had been and has been very successful, mm -hmm. uh, we're, we're intensely busy. Mm -hmm. and the question is how we geared up the organization um, to be able to handle all that change and transformation at the same time as manage the growth. Uh, and then much more um, tangible and down-to-earth challenges like have we been realistic around the scale of the challenge, particularly things like data and data integration and mm. bringing them together because we've replatformed the entire business. So we have uh, a new technology back, back end to the business that's consistent across the group. And bring that all together, particularly from a data side, is a challenge. So, yeah, yeah. Well, I remember I, I was um, I'm an advisor to a, a global tech um, company and um, on their advisory board, and I just remember one of their biggest pain points 
happened just before I joined was that they'd gone through a massive ERP standardization across their 21 territories. Exactly right. And it was like they had two years of, you know, <laughs> apologizing to investors for it, right? And um, <laughs> Because it was such a painful experience, right? And it's it's the whole do-it-yourself thing, right? It takes longer, it's more costly and more painful than you think when you take on that kind of project. Well, always, yeah. But I mean, I, I you know, I think in in uh, I'm delighted at the you know where we are now. We're you know very close to complete with that project. Um, but mm. um, if you asked about pain points, that's certainly one of them. <laughs> so. yeah and and then i think and the busyness it's, it's a really you know key one thank you for mentioning it right because i just see so many you know we live in this world it's kind of managing infinity mm. right there's there's always endless, endless 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 stuff right and so you can't you can't get out of that through productivity right you can only get you know you have to um get through that by really understanding what you want to do you know what are you committed to yeah uh, and I, I, the whole organization to understand that and, and own that and get out the sense of I need to please everybody. Yeah, I, th- I think that uh, the, the pandemic actually has put a different spin on that. I think that, um, you know, at a human level, uh, the need to think slightly differently around that prioritization. Hmm. Um, you know, thinking about how individuals uh, are managing, how they're coping. Um, you know, and we've seen it in all walks of life with clients internally, you know, the the struggle and the emotional challenge and the dynamic of the pandemic um, has uh, changed, you know, the the lens through which you look at these, these business priorities. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's let's move on. Time's ticking away here. Um, I'd love to kind of um, dig into your future a little bit Um, because no matter how much we've achieved, there's always a next level to get to. (laughs) Right. So, yeah, how would you, um, Peter, love to multiply your impact in the coming years? Like, what's or coming months? Right? What's you know, what's your next level personally? Um, my next level is 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 doing uh, the things that I think I can add greatest value to to the business, and not doing the things that I don't add greatest value to because I've got a phenomenal team to do it. Um, you know, I want to quadruple the size of the business. Um, over the next four years, uh, five years, and I, you know, that's a big challenge. Um, and I have to operate differently um, because that kind of scale requires a different level of impact, as you say, it's mm-hmm. like multiplier impact. Um, so being outside of the organization um, and allowing the organization and the design of the organization to flow in of itself. Um, uh, is something that I think is important at, at this scale for a CEO to do. Yeah. So, so, so what's that transition? So I'm hearing that, yeah, you, you want to kind of really focus in on where you add the most value as you scale this business, you want to be a bit more outside of the operational control. So what's that kind of shift? So what, what do you want to do like very specifically, if you're just thinking about it, like what do you think you want to do less of and what do you want to do more of? What, 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 what is that shift? I think less day to day, uh, engagement with governance and uh, decision-making mm-hmm. more uh, abstract myself to look more at the overall uh, trends and direction of the business and be able to give guidance to those who are owning the day-to-day decisions. And at the same time, engaging with the market more externally, far more than, than I have had the opportunity to. 
uh, particularly during this, you know, this growth phase, yeah. um, and, and ensure that the influencers, particularly in such a changing dynamic market, are consistently um, uh, captured for the sake of development of the vision of the business as we go forward. So, you know, I think being outside of the context of the, the inward looking kind of elements of my day, uh, you know, that, that has to evolve. Um, and, and that's exciting. No, I, I love that. I think it's this idea of, I'd love to say to, you know, my clients, things like, like, you know, what's the phone call that's going to make all the difference? Yeah. You know, like, what relationship do you need to build? What circles do you need to move in? Exactly. That is going to take you to a whole new reality, right? Yeah. Because we, our circles define our reality, right? And, um, yeah, you know, what's, you know, if you were to, you know, what's the one idea that you're not able to have yet <laughs> because you're too busy, yeah. that will emerge when you actually have you know a day off even or just to walk and think you exactly. know or whatever it is that's probably going to add more value than a whole bunch of back-to-back meetings that you've done for the last 20 quarters anyway <laughs> yeah i think what's the expression internal incrementalism external exploitation <laughs> so you know that ability to look at the external context and and as you say what you can get from that in terms of the scale of opportunity versus the internal optic and how incremental those individual decisions and, mm. uh, are then you know the real value is, is out there not not as much yeah. in, in here well perfect well hey thank you for so much for um yeah talking about that and being honest about you know and, and just talking about some of those shifts that even you know with your fantastic track record and what you've been able to do with this you know, with these multiple businesses, that there's still another level. And I just find that's exciting. So, mm-hmm. so thank you. If you want to find out more about you or, you know, get in touch with you or find out more about Content and Cloud, you know, where do they go to do that? Well, obviously, uh, please go to the Content and Cloud website, www.contentandcloud.com. Uh, uh, obviously, if you want to get in touch, uh, feel free to do so via LinkedIn, uh, a direct message. Uh, or I'm very much on LinkedIn and very happy to engage. Um, and, uh, very happy to speak to people. Well, perfect. Well, hey, uh, Peter, thank you very much. Um, we never, never got to hear any of your, you know, um, amateur guitar playing, but perhaps that's for next time. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it's a pleasure talking to you today. And thanks for sharing some of your insights. That's great. Thanks very much, Richard. Appreciate it. Thank you. Goodbye. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Now let's talk about you. When you're in top leadership, when you're in the biggest role of your career, Who supports you at a deep level as you lead others? Who helps you multiply your impact and get to the next level? If you're ready to learn more about our content, our coaching, and our community, then visit us at xquadrant.com.